Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed football, because it was kind of a weird week. I, I can't say we had a true marquee game until Monday freaking night. And we were going to record before the game, maybe come back on for a little short one after to recap. We start watching the first quarter, the second quarter, we're like, oh my God, this game is wild. And little did we know, it got even more wild in the second half. Thank goodness me and my boys stayed up late night to record this for y'all. It's currently Tuesday morning. It's midnight, past midnight. So it's Monday night, midnight, 12.15. We're starting to record right now with my guys, first and foremost. And Pat, don't even go too far yet because I'm just going to give you the floor in a minute. But Pat Boyle is here with me. What's up, dude? So, man, a lot of emotions running through me right now, but uh, just exhausted and drained after watching that game. Game of the year, easily. No no other game this year will top that. It, it's, it seems like, you know, it had shades of that, what was it, the Chiefs-Rams? Was it Chiefs-Rams a few years yeah, back? Yeah, Monday night when it was yeah. supposed to be in Mexico, right? Yep, yep, yep. And that was a wild, high-scoring, just crazy game with ups and downs and gives and goes, and it was just madness, and that's how I felt tonight. It felt like the Ravens could have won big, and the Browns freaking fought. The offenses were flying. Well, actually, they weren't even flying all the time. They were on the ground pounding a lot, too. It was just craziness, but also with us right now, back from a couple-week hiatus. Unfortunately, your team on the same end of the stick as Pats as the Browns, Chris Mule, was good. What's up, fellas? Glad to be back, Pete, Pat. Uh, Yeah, my team's a different story. Unfortunately, I was the second-biggest Browns fan tonight behind Patty. (laughs) Need the Ravens to drop one for the wild card, but that's a whole nother story we'll probably get into. But uh, yeah, like you guys said, game of the year. Also, on a side note, we'll probably touch on too beat of the year. Definitely oh my the god, beat of the year. So, but we'll get to that. But uh, glad to be chopping it up, fellas. Yeah, we're gonna get to all that. Here's the quick plan. We're talking obviously about this Ravens Browns game because it was epic. It truly, truly was. Uh, it was a must-have for the Ravens. Every game is moving forward. It wasn't as big of a must-have for the Browns, but obviously. With the Steelers dropping too, there's a chance where that division crown looked a little more possible than you would have guessed one week ago, two weeks ago, let alone three or four weeks ago, right? So it was a big, big game for both teams. And now the Ravens, as currently constituted, are tied with the Dolphins, but the Dolphins have the tie break. So it's uh, they're at the 7-8 and eight seed, both at 8-5. and um, eight and five. Brown's still the top wild card at 9-4. and four. Tied with the Colts, but they do have the percentage breakdown there. Um, but we're going to talk about this game, Browns-Ravens. And then we're going to touch on what we just mentioned there, the AFC playoff picture, because it's getting absolutely wild. Uh, we've spoken about playoff picture over the past week or two about the AFC and the NFC. Some crazy stuff going on in the NFC as well. But in particular, this AFC, absolutely crazy right now, where those four wild card teams or those three wild card teams, the four ones fighting for it, all seem incredibly strong and strong enough to make a push in the playoffs at this point. And it's something that we wouldn't have said probably two, three weeks ago. And then we'll talk, we'll finish by talking about the New York Giants uh, taking on the Arizona Cardinals. The letdown game that was pending for the Giants came maybe a little earlier than some expected against the Arizona Cardinals. They fell flat on their face, looked really bad on offense, not so good on defense either. We'll get to that. And that'll be it. It's going to be a relatively short one today because it's already past midnight and we just hit record. But with all, with all that being said, let's let's do this. I'm calling ISO ball, and I'm throwing the ball to you, Pat, the top of the key. If you want it in the post, take it in the post. I don't care. But you are the resident Browns fan. You've also just been crushing it on this podcast since week one. So here is the floor. Take it wherever you want. Post Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens battle. Yeah. Thanks, Pete, for the kind words, and um, I'll take you guys through a little journey here, and obviously feel free to uh, to add in where you see fit. I don't want this to be complete ISO ball, um, but let's, let's you know, rewind a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months when the Browns get blown out week one by the Ravens, 38-6, and everybody's saying, 
here we go again. All this Browns hype for nothing. Trash team, not going to do anything. Uh, and what did the Browns do after that? Well, they rattle off four straight wins. They beat the Bengals, wasn't pretty. Beat Washington, lighted up for 49 against the Cowboys. And then their win of the season to that point, beating the Colts by nine, a game in which they basically dominated four and one. Then they get the biggest, the next biggest test of the year. They get blown out by the Steelers again. Everybody's saying frauds, trash team, blown out again by 30 by a divisional opponent. This Cleveland team is a fraudulent 4-2 and two team. Then they have to grit out another close win against the Bengals on the road. Then they, they play in basically hurricane-like conditions two weeks in a row, if not three. They lose to the Raiders, then they beat the Texans, then they beat the Eagles, and they squeak by the Jaguars. And again, even then, the Browns are now 7-3, and three, and everybody is saying frauds, trash team, not a good team, 7-3, and three, can't wait for them to get exposed by the Titans. And that is when I said, Pete, this body of work that Cleveland has put together will come full circle here against the Tennessee team with a bad defense. They were missing some key players. I said the Browns will cover this way, this game and they'll win it outright. And they were up 38-7 to at one point. Titans made it pretty interesting. The onside kick uh, out of nowhere in the final minutes of the game uh, to give themselves a, p- a potential miracle. But the Browns win it a game in which they, you know, controlled from start to finish. And they're 8-3. and three. And then everybody starts piling on the bandwagon. I don't know about the bandwagon, but they, they finally, everybody finally realized, hey, this Browns team might be for real. And everyone's saying, oh, we're going to find out how real they are against Baltimore. Uh, The Ravens, who, uh, in my opinion, by no stretch of the imagination, had solved their problems against the Cowboys with that win. Um, And, you know, here we are, back here on Monday night. And Cleveland puts together an incredible opening drive, 11 plays, 81 yards. Uh, I think it was Muley or or Rock said, wow, how about that script, huh? A lot of throws from Baker Mayfield. Uh, He threw the ball. Uh, what, eight times uh, on that opening drive? And Cleveland marches right down the field. They take the lead against Baltimore, 7 nothing. Ravens answer right back. And then that was it. It began. Punch for punch. Haymaker for haymaker. Baltimore takes control with the touchdown. Cleveland answers back. And then one of the huge plays of this game that really factored into the outcome was Cleveland with a chance to go down and possibly kick a late field goal in the first half. They then have to punt it back. And on third and 10, where it's looking like, you know, we're going to go into the half 14 all. Lamar Jackson hits a dart to Mark Andrews for 40 yards and then a play later runs it in for 17. And at that point, I said to myself, yep, this is going to be an all-out war. Uh, Lamar is going to play like an MVP that he was last year. He's going to showcase that. He's not going to slow down. Cleveland's going to have to bring the offense in the second half. (laughs) And boy, Pete, did they both bring it. And 21-14 at half, we saw 35 points. Then we saw another 54 in the second half in the game of the year without question. As Cleveland was down 34-20, they have have to come back. They convert a fourth and four at midfield. Baker balled out basically all night long. He made one mistake, and that was off of an incredible fake by Tyus Bowser uh, to pick that ball off. That was the only mistake he made. Cleveland gets it. They get the two. And then Lamar Jackson all of a sudden had to take a poop. Had to take a poop. Whatever it was. (laughs) He had cramps. He had cramps. Quote, unquote, cramps. Runs to the locker room. Call what you will, Pete. Uh, You know, Twitter obviously had some fun with that. Trace McSorley's in. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, the Browns Browns should win this game. And sure enough, two 12-play drives result in back-to-back touchdowns. They take the lead. And it's looking like it's all over. At fourth and five, two-minute warning, Trace McSorley goes down, and out comes Superman. Lamar Jackson comes out, and Cleveland loses sight of Hollywood Brown, who uh, should have been playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers with all the drops he had (laughs) in that game. Uh, But then he comes up with a game-changer on fourth down, the touchdown, unbelievable. They get the two, and people are saying they might have left Baker Mayfield too much time and that they did. The Browns then race down the field. They score a touchdown. At this point, this game is absolute electric factory. Bananas, absolute, whatever you want to call it, 42 all. And Baker Mayfield and the Browns actually left Lamar Jackson too much time. You texted it right away, Pat. You texted us I right said too away. Too much time. They but still had a minute. A minute you texted it so go. quick that 
because I watch on the stream because I don't have cable because I'm a real 20-year-old. Uh, you texted it before I even saw the Kareem Hunt touchdown. You said too much time. I was like, what? And I was like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, it's Kareem Hunt's like going inside the 10, inside the 5. I'm like, just go down. Like, you're going to give yourself four chances to get three, four yards here. Just go down. And, you know, heat of the moment, you want to score the touchdown. You don't want to risk anything. And sure enough, uh, Cleveland's defense, who severely, severely missed Denzel Ward tonight. The secondary was exposed time and time again. A secondary that has also been missing Greedy Williams for the large portion of this year. And uh, their, their first-round draft pick, Grant Delpit, who hasn't played all season, they were exposed time and time and time again this year. And that uh, they, they showed tonight that's the number one weakness on this team is that secondary. You get a dynamic, speed-filled team like Baltimore, and even then, you know, not even have to being able to throw the ball, but Lamar's arm obviously becomes that much more dangerous when he's running for 130 yards. Uh, the, you know, we saw quarters, it again, basically. and they race right down the field. And sure enough, I mean, was there anybody that is a surefire make for a 54-yarder with the with the clock running down than Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker in NFL history? So I knew it was going to take a block or just a, a bad kick from Tucker, which he produces one out of every 100 times. And Baltimore wins the game of the year. And, and then we get the bad beat of the year, which you guys can oh, – I'll yeah. let you, Mule, and, and you talk about that. But well, just my, my initial thoughts – um, coming out of this game, the Browns are as real as I as I've thought they've been all season long. Uh, they proved that they can go toe to toe when Baltimore was on their A game, which they were. And when they are, you can there you know you could throw them right under the Chiefs as the best team in the AFC, right up there with Buffalo, with Pittsburgh, and they showed it tonight. And you know I'm proud as hell as a Browns fan that they fought and they gave it their all. And the, the offense put up points. The defense obviously needs needs to get better. Otherwise, they're not going to make a splash uh, in, in, the, in the playoffs. And, you know, just really upset more than anything, Pete, because I've been saying now for the last week since they won against Tennessee, this Browns team, I'm telling you, don't be surprised. They take down Pittsburgh week 17 for the AFC crown. Probably not going to happen anymore. They needed to win that game tonight. Uh, they're going to need to beat the Giants and the Jets, which easily can do. And they're still going to need to beat Pittsburgh in week 17. But now they need the Steelers to lose another game against Indianapolis. So overall, again, obviously game of the year, Cleveland fought like hell. Uh, it's a game you obviously wanted to win, but uh, I'm proud of them. And Baltimore showed you that, you know, you were, we were all counting them out two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. Not this guy. Out because they bring the game they did today. They can beat anybody, including Kansas City. Mm. All they need to do is, assumably, all they need to do is get out to a lead. But today, with all the weirdness that happened, they showed uh, the guts to – if it's real tight at the end to do what they need to do as well. And there's a lot of things we need to get to within that game. And me and Mule will start jumping in on that stuff. But one thing I just need to say quick is you mentioned how Trace McSorley comes back in the game, right? If he doesn't get injured on that run play or that run attempt, does Lamar come in the game? Does he even come in the game on that fourth down? You don't know. Do they, do they burn their uh, timeout and, and bring him back in? Maybe, but who knows? He might not even come in the game. And when he rolls out right on that fourth down, I'm screaming to myself because I actually am a Ravens better in this situation. I, I was like, get the first, get the first, the first, it's right. And then he, I'm like, where are you throwing it to? And then boom, Hollywood Brown touchdown and holy hell, what the hell just happened? It, it was absolutely insane. And the bad beat, if you're unfamiliar, was basically depending on where you got the spread, it actually didn't even matter in this case. So I had them Ravens minus three. Mule, I'm pretty sure you had Browns plus four and a half. So yeah, I had to buy. I had to buy a point for the four and a half. But yeah. oh, you bought to four and a half. But well, <laughs> yeah, I even, I even bought it a real shock. Yeah. Extra, extra juice for you uh, to send to send out. <laughs> but anyways, it, it was a three point game after Tucker hit the the field goal. I'm like, ah, a push. What are you gonna do? Sucks, but I don't lose. I hate a push, but you love a push because you're not losing, right? You're thinking, oh, I'm money, baby. I bought those point and a half. I'm feeling sick right now. I just won. And then the famous schoolyard bullshit play, as we used to call it back in high school. Schoolyard bullshit ensues. My boy uh, Rashard Higgins chucks it into the back of the end zone. Jarvis Landry has nowhere to go. Safety from three points to five points. Your point and a half mule doesn't mean a damn thing anymore. You lost. Ravens betters win. And it was just absolutely insane. And what was so perfect... What was so perfect about it was right after that, we always get SVP after Monday night. It's actually a great ritual of mine. We record our podcast during Monday Night Football. I catch the last quarter. I watch SVP on on Monday night. It's a beautiful thing. And there he is just sitting there smiling at the camera. Nothing to say. Jordan Shrug 
And then you hear Stanford Steve in the background just laughing because that is the only reaction you can have as a, a not a particular fan of one side. You're just like, what the hell did I just watch right there? Pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo, as SVP was saying. I was cracking up, and, and you're just shoveling the dirt right now I onto, Mule's, onto Mule's body. Bro, big, like, really, he actually threw it in there, too. He said, yeah, good day for Ravens betters at Mule. You suck, bud. Thanks, but... <laughs> Uh, my bad. No, that listen, that was that was <laughs> god awful. But look, you know, it is. I'm almost getting accustomed to bad beats like that. But um, real quick, I want to, um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna touch real quick. Pete. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, I, I can't do little X and O's like Pat just did for the game. But I'll talk more like team oriented. Um, I think you know what Patty just said. I think a game like this now can show now that everybody who's watching it. Obviously, this is you know prime time game. Everyone's watching. Everyone want to know if the Browns are legit. If the Ravens are gonna come back and make a push. You know, after this one, I think people will finally say to themselves, all right, this is the year. Like, the Browns have it figured out, you know. Um, you know, they forfeit a head coach. Baker Mayfield, like Pat said, had a hell of a game, made one mistake. Um, but they battled toe-to-toe with a team who, you know, although they're – I think it's eight eight and six now. Eight, eight and six. Eight and four. Um, oh, eight and five, eight and five. Yeah, eight and five. Okay, a team that's eight and five. You know, right behind, like, Buffalo and Kansas City, the Ravens are right there because we don't know what Pittsburgh is. So we don't know who's, you know, that that top four tier group in the AFC. So the Browns back-to-back weeks go out and battle the Titans, beat the Titans. Obviously, you know, Titans made that, le- that last quarter push. And now they come out and they battle back and forth with the Ravens, who have been an established good team in the AFC. So, you know, when it comes to the Browns' perspective, you know, guys like Pat and Browns fans have to be encouraged. Like, okay, we saw Baker Mayfield go toe-to-toe with another great quarterback in the AFC. We saw Kevin Stefanski, who seems like he knows what he's doing offensively. And um, head coaching-wise, you see his guys battling for him. And, you know, it's just encouraging for, for Browns fans. And it's almost good for the NFL that the Browns are going to be a good team. And it looks like for the foreseeable future. They have young guys, not really an old team, got the young quarterback, the good duo running back. But now the scary thing is for the AFC, you know, a game like this might propel – the Ravens to some streak. Um, I know they have um, the Jet. I know they're definitely playing. Quote, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. If you yeah, got I got you. Up. I, I want to say they're playing the Jets. The uh, close enough. No, they're they playing play the Jaguars the and then the Giants. Yeah, J- Jaguars, Giants, and then who's the last game? Bengals. Bengals. So they can woo, they can get yeah, to eleven so they, pretty easily. Yeah. So you know, a game like this, although those games are kind of easy for them to win, you'd say a game like this can really propel the Ravens. To go on a streak here at the end, knock my team out, which is a whole different story. Which and, we'll get uh, to. Yeah, we'll get to. But, yeah. you know, I, I, the I Ravens, do... after a game like this, that's a charismatic win. So they, they definitely got some juice going to the last four. Absolutely. I mean, and the one thing we talk about with the Ravens is can Lamar, A, come from behind, or B, just like lead last minute drives, last game, la- uh, late game winning drives. It's not something that he's had to do a lot in his career. And in those opportunities, he hasn't been incredibly successful. So seeing that. You know, whether it was a tie game, whether it was him coming back from a cramp or not, it's encouraging to see for a Ravens fan or for somebody pulling for the for the Ravens or Lamar Jackson. Because, there, you know, there's actually a lot of Lamar Jackson fans out there. Who cares what team he's on? People just root for this guy, right? Um, but I do want to stick on the Browns for a second because, Pat, I've been, I've been semi-critical of the Browns. I think I've been backing them in a very um, subdued way, right? Because I do think they're really good. I absolutely... Love that run game. I thought they were a team that had to know exactly what they were, except I didn't think what they were could go this high. I thought they were a team that had to control the ground, had to win ugly games low, and I think maybe it was the weather that got and clouded my vision, right? It clouded me and what I thought this team could be because now we're seeing them not playing a monsoon, and they've now two weeks in a row went toe-to-toe with dynamic, uh, impressive offenses. So, for me to you and to all the other Browns fans, I say, damn, I think I was a little off on some of this stuff. Even though I thought they were good, I did not think they were a fraud. I didn't think they were a joke. I just didn't know if they can hang with a team like Buffalo putting up points or the Chiefs, obviously. But even the Ravens or the Colts who can consistently just move the ball and put up points, a little more big play capability maybe, the Browns showed it all. They've done it all now. In the past two weeks, they've shown the offensive repertoire to hang with anybody, and that has to feel incredibly great, right? And yeah, that, that, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I was just going to continue. I was just going to continue on some of their their pieces. I was just going to say, and you heard on the broadcast tonight, 
their offense or their whole team, sorry. They're the only team in the league. No, no, it was the offense. Sorry, it was just the offense. Only offense in the whole league to not start anyone over the age of 30 this year. So yeah, to, yeah. to Mule's point of how young this team is and uh, the future that they have, the future is now and the future in the next three years is still looking fantastic here. So a tough, heartbreaking loss, but loads of encouragement for this Cleveland Browns team and this AFC North that even though the Steelers were all out on them right now, this AFC North is no freaking joke, man. Poor Joe Burrow, injured out for the year, comes back to a gauntlet no matter what in the next two years anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if say, and you're right. If Cincinnati can improve, you know, we, we've been all on our knees for the NFC West for most part of this year. It's, it could be the AFC North as early as next year. If uh, Burrow can stay healthy and Cincinnati can get, uh, you know, a little bit more pieces around him, you know, again, well, Joe Mixon's a pretty damn good running back, and they've been without his services for basically the majority of this season. But, you know, again, to finish off with my brownies, uh, yeah, I'm just really happy as all hell for them. And starting with what they did this past offseason, bringing back Andrew Berry as their GM, I think he knocked the draft out of the park. I mean, you look at their draft picks. Jedrick Wills, part of that offensive line that has been so solid this year. Again, we haven't even seen Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, who I think they obviously are missing him. They're missing Denzel Ward. Um, you know, defensive tackle Jordan Elliott, you know, the tight end Harrison Bryant, and their six-round draft pick for the people, by the people, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Oh, he's looking been, great. Who has been so good for them as a sixth-round draft pick. Now, again, we, we always talk about the Giants and the Jets. Oh, can they get value out of their second, third-rounder? The Browns are getting value out of their six-rounders. Andrew Berry has done an incredible job. Kevin Stefanski, I think, has flown under the radar more than any other head coach this year for what he's done. I mean, we, we saw the aggressiveness, the, the balls, the stones to go for two down 34-26. You know, again, that's a game they could have uh, possibly won by one point if had shake, shaken out a little bit differently. Um, he's done a great job. The coordinators have done a great job. And, you know, to, to then start with the centerpiece, Baker. You know, we've seen the evolution of Baker Mayfield this year. Somebody who is maybe more scrutinized than any other quarterback in the NFL coming into this season. And especially after those two blowout losses, where he was turning the ball over still. And we had the Odell Beckham torn ACL. We, we thought, could this be good for Baker? Can he be a good quarterback without OBJ? How would it shake out? Either way, the offensive line being as solid as they are, the run game being the best run game in the NFL, has allowed Baker to take some pressure off himself. And now he's been able to showcase the last two weeks what he can do when he has to put his team on the back a little bit because of the maturation process and the giant steps forward that he has taken over the last couple of weeks so he has been incredible and again Pete you mentioned it even with the starting line everybody included on that offense everybody's under 30 years old so they are set up for the future um but to hit on something I talked about last week when I said you know what and Rock said it he thinks they could compete with the Kansas City Chiefs not if that defense plays like they did tonight um and, and again Kansas City a little bit different because Mahomes can't run and flush the pocket and make you pay with his legs every play like Lamar can, you know, he can do it just not as good as Lamar. So maybe you think you can get the pressure on him a little bit more. You can sack Mahomes a little bit more than you could with Lamar Jackson, but the secondary huge weakness for them. They need Denzel Ward to get healthy. And I, just as a whole, they need to be better against, uh, uh, against the pass because they showed it tonight in the biggest moments. It was the Browns secondary that let them down the catch from Andrews at the end of the first half. And obviously the wide open catch from Hollywood Brown to, to put Baltimore uh, back in front in the uh, final two and a half minutes. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You talk about the Browns weaknesses there. If you think about one of their strengths, and you think about that defensive line, you know, Vernon's name was, was called out a lot tonight. He had a strong game. We know what miles Garrett can do. Uh, Sheldon Richardson made a player two tonight, but we, he's a solid player as well. That's their strength on the defense, right? It's a defensive line. They can get on the pass rush. Uh, they can, they can muck it up on the inside. And, but what, what, but what do you do? to a great pass rush, you run the ball right at him. And there was one play in particular where Lamar ran a read option right at Miles Garrett. And boy, did he just put this guy in quicksand. Like, Miles Garrett had had no intentions to make a play at that point because he, he didn't know where to go. He didn't know how to follow the read. He didn't know how to follow Lamar Jackson. And he got torched. 
And that's what you do, and that's what the Baltimore Ravens can do to any team in the league when they run the ball like that. You have Gus Edwards averaging seven yards a pop. You have Lamar Jackson, I mean, nine for 124. What are you, you going to do about that? And J.K. Dobbins had some incredibly tough rushes. Nice little game for him as well. So is this matchup not particularly great for the Browns? Maybe, maybe not. Doesn't, doesn't know. I mean, I don't know, but we do know that they can play with them. I mean, you can play with a game, a team that can run the ball like that, and we saw what they can do against a team like the Titans who also have the run game, but also a dynamic pass offense, the Colts as well, back in a, a couple weeks back. This team can play with just about anybody, and if you mention the Kansas City Chiefs and that level of competition, we're not sure if anybody in this AFC, let alone league, can compete with them. So let's talk about this AFC playoff situation now. That's going to be our next point. We have the Browns, the Colts, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. From 9-4 and four for the Browns and Colts, 8-5 and five for the Dolphins and Ravens. The, the Raiders, who were my bad beat of the weekend, I picked a freaking dud. Um, they're, they're around. They're technically still in it, but it's not looking great, right? So we look at these four wild card possibility teams. Is there one that we can truly say is a favorite? Because I think I have my pick, and I'm not trying to be recent, recency biased here. But I've been on this team kind of all along. I thought they could have beat the Steelers twice. I thought they should have beat the Steelers twice. Definitely once. My pick's the Ravens, but we just talked about them for a minute. So Pat or Mule, whoever wants to go first. Is there one team out of these three or four teams here that you think might be the best? Is it the Browns? Can we say that the Browns have beaten the Colts? They could have, should have, they could have, should have, would have beat the Ravens tonight. The Dolphins are obviously frisky and have a great defense. But is there one team right here that you look at can make a real splash in the playoffs? I, I think, you know, you make a great point, but I think tonight was probably my night that I might realize that, uh, you know, I think the Colts and the Browns are going to solidify themselves in that wild card spot. And, uh, you know, after watching tonight, uh, unfortunately, I got to be honest with myself, I don't know if uh, we're ready to be at that, that level where uh, all these teams are competing, at, especially the Ravens after watching them tonight. Um, when it comes down to who I think is going to be, you know, a sneaky team in the AFC, you know, if we're not talking wild card, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been. Yeah, big on we'll Buffalo. talk everybody, post- everyone post Chiefs and Steelers right now. Yeah, put everyone in, okay, put in, so, put in the Bills, so, put in the Titans, because you know they, that can move around. Yeah, so I'll definitely I'll focus on the Bills. Um, I think the I, what I my prediction is going to end up being that the, the Chiefs end up playing the Bills in the AFC Championship game, and I think, you know, when I watch Josh Allen, I see a lot of Pat Mahomes. I know that sounds a little crazy because not every, you know everybody compares Pat Mahomes to Jesus, and I get it. You know, the guy is spectacular. You know, he had his, his, probably one of his worst games of his career, even though he threw for like a three three and change on Sunday with a couple of interceptions. But, um, you know, when I watch Josh Allen, he's another guy, once he breaks outside the pocket or steps up uh, inside the pocket and he gets his feet moving a little bit, he is a lethal weapon throwing the football, whether it's Cole Beasley, um, Dawson Knox, the tight end, Stephon Diggs, obviously, who has like a, uh, nine games with like 10-plus catches. Um, the Bills are dangerous, and – um. You know, their defense isn't great, but, you know, they play complimentary football. Um, you know, yesterday against Pittsburgh, the, the weather was shitty in the first half. You know, I, I bet on the Bills. I'm watching the first half. I'm like, my God, I'm like, this is ugly. I don't know if the Bills are going to be able to pull this one off. You know, the weather started uh, getting dry a little bit, and all of a sudden, you know, Bills started marching down the field, marching down the field. The run game got going yesterday with Moss and Singletary. You know, you watch the Bills against the Steelers, and everybody wants to knock the Steelers, but the Steelers are still the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's the coach. Ben Roethlisberger is the, the quarterback. They're a great team. They're a great franchise. And the Bills kind of handedly took it to the Steelers in that second half. So, you know, other than the, like you said, other than like the Chiefs or the Steelers, you know, I think the Bills are, the Bills are a great team. They're going to be able to contest those top tier teams. But when it comes down to that wild card spot, you know, after watching the Browns tonight, you can't sell the Browns out being a sneaky wild card team. You know, if the Ravens sneak in over the Dolphins, which unfortunately might happen, you can't, you can't sell out the Ravens. And the team I'll be least favored for is probably the Colts because, you know, you guys have said it before, Pete. I know you said it. They're one of the more frustrating teams in the NFL. They can go out one week, look fantastic, the next week lay a dud. Um, like, I, don't, I won't get too impressed with the Colts beating up on the Raiders because I think the Raiders are absolute frauds. Um, so, hope, you know, the, Ra- the Raiders might go away next week if the Dolphins beat them. Big um, game. So Forgot big how they play so. each other, yeah. Yeah, so, I'm, you know, my, I'm thinking that – how much of a shit show does this playoff picture look like if if Vegas does beat the Dolphins? Well, no, you're right. You're right, Pat, for sure. I well, mean, that kind of helps. That kind of helps because first. then the Ravens can sneak up, and then both of those teams they basically take each other out at that point. Yeah, 
I, I just I just think that the Ravens are gonna end up winning out. And even if Miami sneaks by the Pats and uh the Raiders, we're probably gonna lose to the Bills and we might get uh you know, we might slip out of that last seed. But listen, you know, when it comes down to the Dolphins, if they go ten and six, we missed a wild card spot by one spot. I'll live. You know what I mean? It's a win. For, that's a win of a yeah, season. It's, <laughs> it's a big win. I'm not I'm not gonna be that fan that says do we have to make the playoffs? Because re- in, in all reality, we're going to play a top seed and we'll struggle to get past the first round. We're in year two of a rebuild, year two of your head coach. Year two, you're really in year one if you think about it because last year yeah. was more of uh, the last of the tank with a slight dip to or a slight raise to a rebuild at the end. It was really a tank for most True. of the year. No, yeah, it's a great point. I, mean, I don't I don't want to talk too much about the Dolphins because I'll go no, off on a tangent. I was but, actually uh, I was going to ask you because right before we go to Pat for uh, his take on those uh, – three through eight seeds in the AFC. Let's hear something from you about the Dolphins. They played the Chiefs. We mentioned how Mahomes had one of his worst games of his career, which is hilarious because it was still sick. Um, what did you see from the Dolphins? Like, what can you hang your hat on after that game? What, like, A, from Tua, and then B, I mean, that defense did some things, right? So, those two things, what did you say? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, you, you said the two things I would say, Pete. I'll give you three things in total. And it's just, it's the same, one thing is the same concrete thing I'll always be saying. Number, number one, A, whatever you want to call it, you know, this team and Brian Flores, you know, this team will go out and fight for Brian Flores, no, Brian Flores, no matter what. Um, they got the coach right. You know, that goes without saying. Um, B, the defense is legit. You know, they might have gave up 30 and seven of that was a punt return, but four turnovers against the Chiefs should be enough for a team to sneak by the Chiefs. Now, the Dolphins offense obviously isn't ready. To, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, which is understandable. That's okay. But, you know, the defense did its job. Four turnovers against the Chiefs. You give your you give, uh, you give your offense opportunities like that, you got to come away with it. And lastly, I think this is finally the game where I watched, and once again, I watch every snap, so I'm a little biased, but I watched the third, late third and early fourth quarter, and even going down to the wire, where I said to myself, I'm like, all right, so two is missing, Miles Gaskin, Matt Breda, uh, Savan Ahmed, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Mike Isecki dislocated shoulder, shoulder. So that's six top weapons on this offense. He's throwing a, a special teams gun um, gunner on punt, Matt Collins. He's throwing a Lynn Bowden, a fifth-round rookie draft pick. Who got cut. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's throwing to a bunch of nobodies, and he's standing in the pocket, getting full pressure in his face from that defense from Steve Spagnola, and he went on two touchdown drives against the Chiefs, whose defense is no slouch. So, you know, my last point, I'll make it quick. This was finally the game where I watched, even though we lost, and I said, all right, this kid, too, has got some fight in him. He's got some heart. And he made some big-time throws to a bunch of nobodies, which makes me sick because, you know, we're going to have to clean up and uh, hopefully get some playmakers for him next next year and uh, keep guys healthy. But this was probably the game where I said to myself, all right, this kid's definitely got something to him that's special. I haven't really seen something that's special to me. But this game, you know, even though it was a fought, uh, hard fought loss. He definitely showed me his special trade. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, we lost, but like, even like Patty said, I'm, yeah, you know, similar boat. as a fan, I, yeah, there's, there's things to, there's things to take from it. I'm definitely, I'm not, I'm happy. So, yeah. And, uh, one thing I'll just add about too, is he continues to show that, that very unique trait where he's so twitchy in the pocket, but it's pure manipulation where he's throwing shoulders, he's taking little jab steps, and he's moving around the pocket. It's not like he's about to go run for 120 like Lamar Jackson, but the way he moves and his athleticism behind his lineman or between his lineman or wherever he's moving in the pocket is very impressive, and that quick arm, uh, the quick release goes great with it. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Take your brownies out of it and talk about those three through eight teams. Is there one team there that you feel like the noise is coming with? Yeah, I mean, I Baltimore, obviously, with what we've seen now the last couple of weeks. But, and again, you know, they went through a, a tough stretch. They got obliterated by COVID. And even then, look at those losses they endured during that tough stretch. They lost to New England on the road in downpour. They lost at home against Tennessee. They lost at Pittsburgh. And they lost against Pittsburgh going back a couple of weeks now. I mean, that is a pretty brutal stretch of teams you got to play. And in that mix, they beat Indianapolis. They shut down Indianapolis. So they've had a tough schedule. Um, so I think just to kind of, you know, say, oh, Baltimore, they, you know, they, they, were, they, they sucked in the middle of the year. They were devastated by COVID, and they played some damn good teams. So obviously the argument is there for Baltimore. But uh, a team that I think finally, I wouldn't say finally, um, but they got the credit that they 
finally deserve as being one of the top four teams in the entire NFL, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at their body of work this year, and they have been just mesmerizing. They've been absolutely stunning on almost every level. Here's some of their wins this year. At Miami, at home against the Rams. 44-34 win against the Seahawks. They lost on the Hail Mary to Arizona. We can say what if uh, about almost every, any, you know, any team's lost in the NFL this year, but definitely that one. And this team could easily be 11-2. and two. Then they beat just and they just beat Pittsburgh pretty handedly at home on Sunday night. Uh, you know, with, with what Josh Allen has done this year, he is in the top three for the MVP this year. Stephon Diggs, I said it a while back, in my opinion, top five receiver in the NFL. He's finally, uh, you know, showcasing that uh, when he's got a quarterback like Josh Allen who's been able to do that, you know, not so much like a Kirk Cousins. And the biggest weakness, I think, for this team has been the run game. You know, this team really virtually has no running game with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss who can't hold on to the football half the time. So the fact that Buffalo has been as good as they have and a team that doesn't have a lot of studs on defense either, but Tredavious White, one of the best lockdown corners in the league, that linebacking core with Matt Milano has been great. And I, I just think Buffalo, when you see them play, they give you A-plus effort for every game this year outside of that blowout loss at Tennessee. They've given you an A-plus effort every single game. They have found a way to win just about every game they've played. And, again, those three losses at Tennessee against the Chiefs and on the Hail Mary uh, to Arizona. So, you know, we're going to see, too, Buffalo, can uh, they're going to close out the AFC East probably in another week or so. Uh, but they've got to go into the playoffs on a, on a high note, and that is going to be a hell of a game uh, to finish off the season at home against Miami where the Dolphins are probably going to play, be playing to try to get themselves into the playoffs, and Buffalo is maybe going to be playing for that two seed in the AFC. So, Yeah, well, <laughs> obviously, I, I, I love Buffalo um, as a team, like Mule said, that can, uh, that can maybe take down the Chiefs and a big upset in the AFC title game. Yeah, and you worked that cough button there like a pro, bro. That's how that's how you know Pat Boyle is a pro. I, I tried to jump Here's in to save you. I didn't even need to jump in. You you had it ready to go. The cough button's <laughs> right there, baby. I love to see it. Uh, yeah, the Bills is the, is the good pick right there. I, I, I'm with you. I've been with you actually for a couple of weeks, Pat. We were talking about it, and I was like, yo, you watch this team, and you're like, why can't they beat anyone? The way that they move the ball, the way that they can be explosive and sustain drives is is truly incredible. And you look at this. Uh, strength of schedule in the AFC. If you count the top eight teams, which starts with the Chiefs, goes down to the Ravens. The only team with a harder schedule right now than the Bills is the Ravens. I and mean, you just highlighted uh, what the Ravens have gone through as far as schedule. So the Bills as well have not had a cakewalk of a season and they're putting wins on the board and some of their losses are heart-wrenching. So I think that's pretty good. I'm, I'm going with the Ravens for my team just because I've kind of been on them all year. I think there is obviously that one thing hanging over them about what happens when you're down by 10 in the first half or down by 14 early in the third quarter, whatever whatever it may be, that's always going to be a question mark, and it's not going to be put to rest until Lamar does it. Not one game, not two games, but two or three games. Maybe he does it in a playoff game. Then those questions start to get be put, uh, get to be, I can't speak tonight, geez. <laughs> they start going down, and you stop questioning it as much, but I'm still worried. I would never want to face his team. Their defense as well tonight, like the Browns was banged up. They were missing Jimmy Smith. Uh, Marcus Peters got his pride hurt, which I love that Lewis Riddick called him out during the broadcast because he did not get hurt on that play where Sean Higgins scored a touchdown. He got tripped and then pretended, ah, oh, my leg. Everybody knows one of those guys. But I love the Ravens. You can never count them out because of the professionalism of, of John Harbaugh and uh, what Lamar Jackson brings to the table dynamically. So we'll see if Marquise Hollywood Brown catches some more passes, you know. Yeah, but I, I think the Ravens are dangerous, man. Just to touch on that, too, Jimmy Smith started this game and then got hurt yes. in, the beginning, in the second quarter, I believe. And Trayvon Williams is, is also out. So this is a secondary that will, you know, run out of the nickel with Wink Martindale. And they've got four, five, six uh, defensive backs who are incredible. And tonight, Jimmy Smith went down, who's probably their third best behind Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And then Trayvon Williams was out. And that's when this game totally flipped back in Cleveland's favor because you had Baker Mayfield just going after poor Devontae that Harris. That poor guy, bro. The broadcast just oh, called man. him out. Every single play, they're like, they're going right at him. It's like, oh, my I God. Mean, he's really like, like their fifth-string quarterback. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's amazing. Sooner yeah. or later, you're going to be able to find the weakness. Well, this AFC playoff picture is looking grim. I mean, looking great, not grim. But looking grim for everyone not named the Chiefs as well, which is what I was yeah. going to say next. So, the Chiefs obviously have a grasp on – not just the AFC, but the NFL, like I mentioned earlier, everything kind of goes through them. 
at this point in time, despite their knack for close games recently. They have not been exactly, uh, you know, awe-inspiring with all their victories over the past, you know, four or five weeks here. So they're playing tight ones, but they're finding ways to win. And best best teams and best quarterbacks find ways to win, no matter what it takes. Pete, can they're I just pose for, this? Go ahead, go ahead Patty. I'm sorry. I was going to say they're due for a sneaky loss, but go ahead, Pat. Mm. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. You know, if there is a team that's going to take down Kansas City in the playoffs, um, and, and, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know we do have to wrap soon. We got to get to these god-awful Giants. But <laughs> if we – what do you guys think? Who is going to be a team that takes down Kansas City in the playoffs? Is it going to be a team with a stellar defense and that can run the ball or is it going to be a team that has to keep up with Kansas City and beat them in a shootout? I'm, I'm legitimately curious because I, I don't know what it would take. We saw Vegas do it, but, you know. I th- well, th- Pat, I think, you know, you make a good point because I think a lot of teams are going to look, you know, I'm pretty sure Casey's rush defense is at the bottom tier of the league. And, you know, like I mentioned before, not trying to bring up Miami again, but I think a lot of teams will look at Miami's game film against KC and say, all right, what did Miami do to get Pat Mahomes uncomfortable? Because in the first – you know, there was the first couple of drives and a couple of quarters, he was very uncomfortable. So if the team can hold Pat Mahomes and hopefully force him to make a couple of turnovers, and like you said, run the ball effectively and keep him off the field, um, you know, hopefully they can, they, maybe they can sneak by the Chiefs. Now, I don't know who that's, who that's going to be. You know, you ask, like, who it's going to be. You know, I can't, you know, the only team that could really run the ball all game successfully, you, you want to say the Titans, but the Titans defense isn't too great. The Colts, maybe, um, man. Shit. Yeah, Colts maybe too. And even like like you just said, Pete, the Ravens. Ravens still got a good defense. They got a three-headed monster in the backfield with the bus, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. So I don't know, but I think I think the Chiefs are due at some point, whether that comes in the regular season or they get they lose one in the playoffs. There there, is, there might be a template building to beat the Chiefs, but we'll see. Well, I think it. I think it's partially this too. It takes the perfect performance from all of these other AFC teams to knock off the Chiefs. The Steelers can do it, but they can't run the ball. So they need to have one of those perfect games where all the short passes are clicking and it's working like their run game because then their defense can do the other things we're talking about. The Bills, same concept. If they can't run the ball, they can sustain drives and score quickly, and their defense may not be great, but they can cause turnovers. Titans, we know they can run the ball. Browns, we know they can run. Colts, the same. Dolphins, you know, offensively, they're probably the least dynamic and least likely to take down the Chiefs like that. But their defense is probably the most dynamic, right? And then the Ravens can run the ball. They can cause turnovers. Their defense is at least average, a little better, right? So I think it takes the perfect performance from any of these AFC teams, but it can happen as long as the Chiefs aren't on their perfect performance as well. Because if they're perfect, I don't think you beat them. Is that, is that what as simple as it is, right? So I think that's... Uh, that way. Yeah, I think that's all that needs to be said. If they're perfect, they're almost impossible to beat. But if they're even 90% of their potential, any of these teams with the perfect game, with the perfect game plan or performance or the lucky uh, lucky bounce or whatnot, like the uh, like the one, was it the two-point conversion that Peoples-Jones caught for the Browns tonight? You need a couple of those sometimes where it bounces off your own teammate, bounces off a defender, and you come down catching it anyway. Who knows? But without further ado, let's move on. Subway Sports Talk, Pat Boyle, Chris Mule, Pete Kennedy. We already went longer than I planned. Whatever. We're coming on 1 o'clock. Pat has to work like 14 of the next 20 hours, and he's already been up for like 12. Anyways, let's talk about the Giants. So, Pat, you had them as one of your picks this week again on the teaser. You thought it'd probably be fine on the teaser. It ended up not. I had a friend, one of me and Muley's good friends, had the Giants at plus 16. They didn't even cover that in the 13-point teaser. So, they got annihilated. Uh, Their offense looked bad. Their offense is bad, right? It is bad. For everybody telling me that I was a little too too aggressive about the Daniel Jones stuff, this guy's thrown eight touchdowns this year. He's thrown eight touchdowns this year. He only ran in, I, I think, definitely one running touchdown. Maybe maybe two, but I'm not even convinced about that. I forget. I don't have it in front of me. Their offense is 15th of 16 in the NFC. It's not been good. Their defense, though, has been keeping them in games and has been very impressive. I was actually almost going to tell you, Pat, I was going to record a podcast I was listening to on my phone with uh, Warren Sharp and Joe House on the Ringer NFL show, where Joe House went through these statistics about the Giants covering spreads, specifically in teasers. They were like uh, ten and two this year, uh, covering the teaser, and you had them in the teaser. And I was like, oh my god, I got to tell Pat. But it was the kiss of death either way, whether I told you or not. It did not work out in their favor. So let's circle back here. We were all hyped up about a four-game win streak. We're all hyped up about the outlook of them winning their division, 
Now they're not in first place in the NFC East anymore. Is it as simple as this offense is not sustainable? AKA their mythology, methodology of win, methodology of winning games with good defense and not turning the ball over leading to wins is not sustainable because there's going to be a point where people hit a big play and you need to score 24 points yourself. You need to score 30 points yourself. The Browns proved it. The Giants still haven't. Not that they're in the same class, but I'm just using it as an example. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let, let's just uh, let's say what it was. The Giants played arguably their worst game of the entire season. That, along with that blowout loss to San Francisco, offense was an F. Uh, defense was, you know, as good as they could be. I mean, Arizona C literally plus, was starting C-minus. every drive from about midfield, and the Giants were starting every drive from within their own ten. I mean, give uh, Arizona special teams a lot of credit. Give Cliff Kingsbury, give Vance Joseph a lot of credit. They drew up basically a perfect game plan. Um, and, and that, even with the healthy Daniel Jones, I don't think New York would have won this game. Um, and, you know, you have the people saying, well, he played, so stop making that excuse. Look, Daniel Jones didn't attempt a single rushing attempt for the first time in his entire career. You mean to tell me he wasn't limited? Now, that Good being stat. said, you know, that's a tough spot for Joe Judge to be in because you're playing for a playoff spot. They went into the game as the leaders of the NFC East. And what are you going to do? You're going to say, Oh, well, you know, we can afford to take another week off with Daniel. We'll rest him up. No, like you got to win these games. You have three games left after this week. You had four games left coming into this. You're not just going to say, all right, well, we're going to rest Daniel one more week here. No, it's a game they're playing at home on the heels of a four-game winning streak. Arizona on the heels of a three-game losing streak. You're going to get Daniel out there, and you're going to see what it it is. And from the get-go, Arizona goes right down the field. They score a touchdown. They destroyed them on special teams. I mean, that, that was an, an awful call, too. Um, you know, I sound like a Giants apologist, but the, the frigging kung fu kick fumble on that kick return, that was an illegal play <laughs> that just did not get called. Yeah. Arizona gets a you know free possession right off that. And, uh, again, this offense isn't sustainable, Pete, if Daniel Jones is 100% healthy. He has to be running the ball five, six, seven times a game. And even then – uh, Joe Judge got out coached. The special teams has been abysmal now going back the last couple of weeks with how many points they've been giving up on special teams. Uh, I was very disappointed with Jason Garrett, um, you know, with, with the play calling that he displayed because it should have been, once you realize Daniel wasn't 100%, it should have been a similar game plan to last week with Seattle. And that is, you know, let Colt McCoy kind of manage the game and just run the crap out of the ball. They ran the ball 17 times. They threw it 24. That can't happen. That can't happen, especially if Jones isn't healthy. Part of it's because of they were down, but yes. Well, yeah, but even then, you know, this was a, a six. Uh, it was a six nothing game with like five minutes left to go in the first half, and they kind of you know gotten away from the run game already at that point. They only ran the ball 17 times, and they picked up 78 yards. So you're running the ball as a team for almost five yards a pop. Wayne Gallman should have had 20 carries. He only had 12. And again, I know they were down, you know, it was 20 to nothing after the first drive of the third quarter, but even then they get it back to 20 to seven. And still you're throwing on first down with Daniel Jones, that third and one play after Wayne Gallman picks up nine yards, they try a fade route down the sideline uh, with man coverage against Kirkpatrick. It was a pretty good corner and just overall abysmal performance from the giants. Um, and now they're going to have to make up some ground because now, with the hamstring injury, you know, a pulled, a strained muscle, that is something that it isn't just going to go away in a week or two. You know, this is something that Daniel Jones might have to carry with him the rest of the regular season. You hope that he can be healthier than he was this week. They need him to run the ball. They need those run-pass options going into effect. And they need the offensive line, too. I mean, my God, you know, we can kill Daniel Jones all we want. And granted, he had an awful game. He held on to the ball way too long but the receivers weren't getting any separation. And that offensive line uh, after four weeks of sustained improvement was just absolutely terrible. Thomas, after had his best game all year, got destroyed by Hassan Reddick and that defensive line. Hassan Reddick had five sacks coming into the game. He had five on Sunday. <laughs> he was so, a madman. <laughs> brutal performance of the offensive line, brutal performance from Daniel Jones, brutal performance from the coaching staff all around. And, you know, again, even with as good as the defense could play, Arizona starting the ball at midfield nearly every possession. He went about as bad as it could for New York on Sunday. And now, you know, again, we look at their chances to stay in the playoff race. Washington now, you know, they don't have the tiebreaker. But Washington's got a, a still probably two winnable games. 
Giants now have to play this juiced up Cleveland Browns on Sunday night. Then they've got to play now the on fire Baltimore Ravens. And then they finish with Dallas. No, it's a, I would not be surprised. The New York Giants are five and 10 and out of an eliminated from playoff contention, maybe a chance to save their season, you know, go off on a high note with a win against Dallas. Not very confident about the Giants. They're going to have to steal a win either against Cleveland or Baltimore. The season's over. Yeah. And it's not looking good. Mule, before you jump in, let me hit you with some stats. Mm-hmm. Da- Daniel Jones on the year. In y- just sim- simply yard. We'll start off with yards, right? Yards on the year. He is 20th in the league, right? So obviously you look at guys like Drew Brees. He's only played nine games. Uh, you know, Lamar's uh, only 11, but he's a runner. He runs the ball. So whatever. He's 20th. He's still lower, lower third, lower half. Um, of quarterbacks throw, throw, there. Throw all the stats at me. Um, yeah, and then he's right. He's actually right above Baker Mayfield in yards. Uh, his his QBR though is eight points lower than Baker Mayfield. His regular rating uh, is like twenty points lower than Baker Mayfield. Only a seventy eight. He only has thrown eight touchdowns this year to nine interceptions. Now, if this team was had any sort of expectation this year, any sort of expectation, this dude would be getting absolutely smoked right now. And he probably should be, dude. You can, like you cannot be a division-winning quarterback and have an 8-9 to nine touchdown and interception ratio at 12 games through the season. That's not cutting it in any way. You talk about Baker Mayfield, talk about some of his limitations, or at least I do from time to time. My guy's thrown 21 touchdowns this year. You know what that means? When you get to the red zone, he's a weapon. And he has the ability to put the ball in the end zone, not just by handing it off to Chubb or, in Daniel Jones' case, Wayne Gallman, who has cashed in a bunch of touchdowns this year from the one-yard line. Granted, that's a great weapon for them to have. You, they've had one of the worst red zone, red zone touchdown offenses in the league this year, if it's not the worst. I know at some point it was like 28th or 29th the last time I checked a couple weeks back. He has not been successfully putting the ball in the end zone enough, whether it be with his legs, whether it be with his arm, he just hasn't done enough. So now his legs are taken away. It's even uglier. And the last stat for you, yards per attempt is like the big big statistic nowadays, right, with the quarterbacks. Are you throwing the ball downfield? Are you afraid to make a play? Are you just dinking and dunking? Like, you know, it seems like Ben Roethlisberger does a crap ton, right? Like he's always just dumping it off, dumping it off. Well, for the legendary season of dump-offs for Ben Roethlisberger, Daniel Jones is only 0.1 yard per attempt higher than Ben Roethlisberger. They are 30th and 31st in uh, qualifying quarterbacks in yards per attempt. He's not throwing the ball downfield with success um, like he was with Slayton last year, which was very impressive. It was one of the big things we hung our hat on. The, the arm talent hasn't been proven true at this point in time. And if they had any sort of expectation this season to be a good team, he'd be getting slayed on local radio on national radio, but this team had no expectation. They've been a good story. They've had an overachieving defense, and their offense is garbage, unfortunately, in part due to him not being incredibly dynamic right now. Hey, let me ask you real quick. What's the, who's the bottom tier? Uh, who's the bottom quarterback on that list, if you don't mind me asking? For which stat? For the yards per? The yards, uh, yards per attempt. You said Big Ben and uh, DJ were 30 and 31? Yeah, so there, there's four other quarterbacks who uh, qualify. It's qualify, Andy, right? It's Andy Dalton. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, and Sam Darnold. Blah. See, like, yeah. you make a good point. Like, that that's the big new stat in the NFL. And that's, it's weird that you see Brent Roethlisberger down there. But like well, no, said, if you watch the Steelers for any oh, any city, for any full game, it is just dump, 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 dump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's no question. And not even like, dump. It's just quick, 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 quick. Yeah, and they, they got a ton of drops, man. Deontay Johnson and uh, James Washington got a ton of drops this year. But that's besides the point. Um, you stole my take, PD. I was going to go right for Daniel Jones's neck. Um, like, you know, when is he going to have, whether it's a play, a drive or a quarter or, or a game where we're going to say, damn, like, look at, look at, look at Daniel Jones. I know he's had it here and there. Um, you know, and I know the health was a concern this week for sure, but you know, he just feels like, you know, I know Pat, we, Pat was high on him a couple weeks ago. He, he dropped the stat where he said he was one of the more efficient quarterbacks throwing the ball down the field. But, you know, you watch a game like Sunday, and like Pete, like you said, like you took his legs away, so you knew he had to do something with his arm. And it, it almost – there's almost times where he looks like you just know when he drops back, like, all right, we're we really going to get anything going here? Is he even going to – you know, is he going to – It feels end of Eli's here? career, Jace. Yeah, and like – When he's, when he's he, not running, like, at least. No one really speaks about it besides, you know, guys like us. But, you know, we're, we're kind of focusing on it. We're in New York. But no one – you know, all we talked about the last couple of weeks, Giants, Super Bowl, caliber defense – um, you know, they're playing great, playing for that head coach, not a, you know, this and that. And, 
you know, he just hasn't, even when they were winning games and they were playing a little bit tougher, you know, he hasn't had the game or like the, the span or the big stretch where he's really just, you know, taking charge of this team. And, um, you know, like you said before, that's, that's in, uh, Goldman's have something to do with that. The run game's got something to do with that. And of course the defense, but when it comes to Daniel Jones, there's gotta be a time and, you know, it, it might have to be these last three games where he's got to grab a hold of those, of those balls. Let me just, you know, excuse my French <laughs> and just go win a game for the giants. And, you know, they might not be able to rush for a hundred plus yards. They might not play great defense. He might need to throw the ball. You know, he's going to need his guys to step up Slayton, Engram, uh, Tate. He needs all those guys to step up, but, you know, you got to watch a game where you're convinced, like, all right, DJ, like, way to go out there and fight for your team. Way to go out and go on that drive. So, I don't know. It's going to get real interesting because Alex Smith's got a calf injury now. Um, so, if Dwayne Haskins is playing, you know, Giants fans should be doing cartwheels because he is hot garbage. Um, so, I really don't know. So, it's definitely going to come down to the wire. But, you know, Dan Jones is definitely going to have to step up. Now, if he's hurt, he's hurt. Like Pat said, hamstrings linger. They don't just, they don't just go away. Hamstrings definitely linger. So if he's hurt, that's a whole different story. Then maybe Uncle Colt McCoy will come in and, you know, lead a, lead a I sound like Rocco, bro. I gotta oh. stop doing that. I, I've been I've been I've been friends with Rocco way too long. Um but yeah, we'll see. Oh, okay. You know. Hopefully he's healthy and he gives him a three game stretch. And he uh you know, he has a couple of good games for him. But he really hasn't shown much. And if if he does, it's not consistent. So yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with you guys after what we saw uh, on Sunday. And healthy or not, you know, a, a banged-up hamstring should still allow you to at least kind of throw the ball. And now, again, the offensive line was terrible. Receivers are getting no separation. So I do have to, you know, obviously state that. But, yeah, the, Pete, no matter what happens with the Giants over the last three games, I need to see Daniel Jones prove the arm here over the next three games. Mm -hmm. I've been backing him. I've been backing this Giants team the entire way. Uh, you know, they, uh, they they really generated some steam. NFC East, divisional winners, they were looking like. And then Sunday, the train just completely went off the tracks. And Dude, didn't, didn't everyone, not to cut you off, Pat, but we all, not even us, just everyone, they were crowning the Giants. Everybody. Like, everybody was. was. Everybody Giants, was. Bro. I didn't get it. I mean, granted, and they I, had the one-game tie break on, their, on the football team, right? So that helps, right. but... What? Yeah, they got crowned real quick. That's, I think everybody expe I think everybody expected them to beat Arizona with how bad Arizona had been. And, you know, Arizona was due for a, a good performance. The Giants were, you know, due, you for will, a lousy were one. Due, for, uh, due for a lousy one or so not. Sure. But they got destroyed. They got it. They got dominated. And Daniel Jones, um, you know, you, you start to raise the questions on the surface now. And if he doesn't. You know, look what we saw again against Cleveland tonight. If Denzel Ward is out next week, this Cleveland Browns secondary is susceptible. He has to throw the ball. He's got to throw the ball. He's got to drop like 250-plus yards, and he's got to show you that he can give you that deep ball to give that offense a little bit of relief. So, yes, I'm going to now get off my knees of, Daniel, you know, in front of Daniel Jones. Uh, nice. after that's That's where I've been for the last couple of weeks, and I'm now <laughs> – I'm now raising the challenge to Daniel Jones to go out and show me and to show you, Pete, and everybody else now that he's still that he has the arm, that he's capable of putting up some of the performances he did last year, where he threw for 400 yards two or three times last year and three touchdowns. Um, I need to see that. I need to see it whether it's, it's against the Browns, and we need to see him be able to compete. That's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, their season's probably going to be on the line also at Baltimore on December 27th. So mm -hmm. these next two games are unbelievably critical. Uh, for Big Blue. Pat, it's almost like you just read my mind because you just said 250 yards for Daniel Jones. I was just about to lay out another stat for you guys here. He has only surpassed 250 yards how many times, guys? How many times do you think he's done it this year? I'm going to say twice. Two times, Pat. You're on the money again. Two times he's uh, thrown for over 250 yards. One was against the Steelers in week one. One was against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a few weeks back. And that was 256. Obviously, y'all can do math or at least some sort of math. He's only thrown eight touchdowns and 12 starts. Can't imagine that many um, two touchdown performances for the guy. Well, one, two, three, two touchdown performances. Not very good, but you start doing math again. Oh, that means six of his eight touchdowns have come from three games. He hasn't thrown three touchdowns once this season, by the way. He has not thrown a touchdown in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this season. Seven. That's brutal. Seven That's brutal. games. If you that take the brutal. 
the average the average quarterback in the NFL, the over under on touchdowns is usually one point five. Sometimes there's some juice on that on the over or the under depending on who it is. The over under could be point five for Daniel Jones, and he'd be under on the season. It's not looking good. It's not looking good at all for Daniel Jones. Uh, granted, you take take Arizona out. I'm 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 fine with that. I'm fine with taking Arizona out, but. Even though he was injured, it did bring to roost some of these things that are fair criticisms that a lot of people wanted to sweep under the rug for the past four weeks after they beat, oh, the Bengals, the Carson Wentz Eagles who couldn't get out of their own way, and they beat the football team twice, which now actually seems like some decent wins. That looks like some decent wins. You take out the NFC East, they're one and friggin' eight. Or one and seven? I don't know. That's see math is not important, but something like yeah, that. One and one and seven. Not very seven. not very good. Not very no, good. One and, one and six. They lost to the Cowboys as well. And just a week ago, we're doing this podcast here, right? We're doing this podcast and we're going through the giant schedule and how they're gonna get to the NFC East uh crown. Oh wow, if they really play well, they can have a chance to be in the wild card spot. One of those spots. Fight for it, right? No, I never said that. Not you. I'm saying. I'm saying I know, a general no, I weight. I, I just want to go on record. Oh yeah, you did not say that. Was, the, people started throwing out. Hey, we might have two. We might have. Hey, what if what if Philly goes on a run? Yeah, like that, I, that was nonsensical. I probably yeah. I probably I'm raised not that the, far. Right. I'm not that far on the spectrum. Well, I I think I raised the point <laughs> that it's possible to see the Giants and the football team both compete for playoff spots because the you know, NFC is getting a little weird downstairs. If the Giants beat the Cardinals, then that wild card stuff gets a lot closer. Whatever. Now we're looking at the Giants like, oh, God, they can't even get back to the NFC East crown. And that's one week ago, dude. That's one week ago. This whole thing flipped. The season now looks bad. And when you look back on this season, if they don't come back and win the NFC East, because, you know, a week ago we are like, oh, they can possibly hang with the Browns. We, they could hang with the Ravens. Now it's like, damn, they're going to be like six-point dogs and both of them at least, and that's going to be ugly. So when we look back on this season after they don't win the NFC East or if they don't win the NFC East, we're going to say, wait, where was the positives here? The defense was pretty good. They was pretty good. What else? What do we got? Wayne Gallman? Oh, it was the year Barkley missed. Okay, hopefully we get better after that. I don't know. Well, I'm going to say one thing. I'll just make it short and sweet. I know Patty's had a rough night, emotional <laughs> night, a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, we all got to go to sleep bed. Like an absolute, he's going to sleep like an absolute baby tonight and feel great tomorrow. I'll say it for him. Browns by about 20 on <laughs> Sunday Night Football. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm all in. Nah, but I think... The Browns coming off a, a, a tough loss like this, and the Giants, Pete, you just touched all their flaws. I don't think you missed one. If someone missed, uh, you know, if someone missed shaving a, a hair in a bad spot, I think you nailed it because you really touched on it all. But I think okay. that, you know, the Browns can definitely be a team that can expose all the Giants' flaws and definitely bigger can outshine Daniel, Daniel Jones. But, you know, I'm saying with my chest for Pat, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the Browns are going to go out and dominate the Giants next Sunday night for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, uh, this is a this is the perfect game where Daniel Jones, if he's if he's healthy, hey, even if he's not, you know, you got to go out and compete. He needs to be able to toss the rock, you know, uh, twenty five times uh, against the Browns because, you know, we I say they need to be able to run the ball a lot. That that's all fine and, and good, but you know, we, we saw what the Browns' offense can do. The Giants are going to either have to replicate the performance they put against the Seahawks, or or Daniel Jones is going to go have to have to go out there and throw the ball around because that is the big weakness of the Browns is that secondary. Uh, but just to finish off on that NFC East crown hopes yet, Pete, I don't want to put it in the dumpster yet. It's not gone yet. Washington, unless they pull off another upset, probably going to lose to Seattle at home. Uh, probably going to lose to Seattle in Seattle. And if the Giants lose to the Browns, they're still just that one game back with, and the, and they own the tiebreaker. And then you're going to be rooting like all hell for Carolina to put together a performance. Maybe Christian McCaffrey comes back. Maybe the Panthers beat Washington. And then the Giants could still be maybe just that one game out. Mm-hmm. And that's where the tiebreak <laughs> comes. The tiebreak comes in big then. With a chance to beat the Cowboys and root like hell for the Eagles to beat Washington on the final game of the year. And we could be looking at 6-10 and 10 winning the oh. NFC East. And wait, one thing, one, one thing oh. we forgot though to mention, and Pat, I didn't give you your, your, your kudos here is uh, we forgot that Jalen Hurts is now the Eagles quarterback and they're going to go undefeated because he's clearly the best quarterback in the league at this point. <laughs> that needs to, that needs to stop immediately, bro. Everyone people are, people are bugging out. I mean, well, let's, let's give them two games because we've seen quarterbacks who run the ball for a hundred yards have incredible success. I bet when a quarterback runs for a hundred yards, 
Their record's pretty good. If I had a guess, that's just Lamar, uh, Lamar did it tonight, right? Yeah, 120. I'm just saying that's yeah. probably likely. If a if a quarterback and a running back on the same team both run for 100 yards, I also have to guess that team wins a lot. Whatever. Jalen Hurts look great. Let's see what happens with the Eagles. There's a chance they're still back in the race here. The Cowboys won this week too. It's a it's a shit show again. It's a shit show. But maybe it's a better shit show. I don't know. One last thing uh, before we say goodbye, and this is a shout out to the Browns again. We said one thing about the Browns. They can win certain ways because we didn't know if Baker Mayfield had the juice. Baker Mayfield's been showing some real, real juice. And now I'm not talking about Jarvis Landry because he's been up and down. He's had some good weeks lately. Anyway, Baker Mayfield started looking real, started looking dynamic. Now we don't just think the Browns have to run the ball for 200 yards to win. We think they can win in a multitude of ways. Unless the Giants get there with Daniel Jones or Daniel Jones gets there like Baker Mayfield does from time to time, we're not going to be saying the Giants can win in multiple ways. And that's it. All right, Subway Sports Talk. We won't even do last words tonight. We're tired. It's time to go to bed. It's 1.17 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Mule's used to this. He works nights sometimes. Pat's used to this. He works nights sometimes. I'm a freak. I stay up until 2.30 every night. I'm losing. I can't even say words right now. It's insane. Subway you Sports Talk. You sound great, talk. though, bro. Don't worry about it. You sound great. <laughs> Pat Boyle, Chris Mule. I'm Pete Kennedy for Rocco Del Puri. He'll be back with us next week. I'm sure of it. Cheers, everybody.